Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Cap and Trade. I am your host, Texans Cap. You can follow me on Twitter at Texan Cap, or you can follow along on the written form of the side on the website, capandtrade.substack.com. Thank you, everybody, for joining in tonight. Uh, unusual schedule this week. Uh, my son did not want to cooperate with the Wednesday night schedule. Uh, you know, we usually run on Wednesday nights around 9 p.m., but this uh, past Wednesday, my son just disagreed with that schedule. And so, um, you know, being a parent of a, of a special needs child sometimes necessitates a little change in things. So, you know, shifted things over to uh, Friday night and uh, got a lot to get to tonight. Really excited to uh, cover a wide berth of topics. And, you know, if this is your first time in, you know, it's a free you know, free form show, you know, a lot of Q and A. If you got any questions, comments, throw them up on the board. I can try to get to as much as I can. Uh, got, like I said, a big, big berth of a wide area of topics to get through tonight. And so I'm not sure how long this one will go. We'll just kind of see how the show goes along. Um, not sponsored by, uh, our usual, our usual drink tonight. So no Coke Zeros tonight, the good stuff tonight. So, um, you know, with that, we'll kind of dive into a, a bunch of different topics, but, uh, you know, the first thing I kind of wanted to get to, which we all saw, uh, the news today with the Houston Texans and not, and, you know, releasing their finally releasing the coaching staff changes and, uh, who's coming in, who's staying, who's out. And, uh, it's, you know, it's finally glad to finally good to get some clarification on everything, get everything official. Uh, you know, the team's heading into the combine next week. We'll, we'll see who all ends up going, but, you know, there's some good fresh names on this list and, uh, we'll pull up the list here in a second. But, uh, you know, it's a good, it's a good wide expansion of, of experience and, uh, background and things like that. There's new coaches, there's experienced coaches, there's coaches from Philadelphia, there's coaches from San Francisco, there's coaches from Chicago and just have tons of experience. So it's exciting to see that they just didn't, didn't go straight from the San Francisco mold or anything like that, right? It's good that they just, didn't just pick from one pot and just start piling in the, the coaching staff straight from that pot. You know, it's good to see that they really expanded out, really grabbed experience from all over the place. And we know D'Amico has a lot of experience from different areas, whether it's Philadelphia or from, or from San Francisco. So, and you know, all the way back to his time in Houston. So it's good to see him expanding out, grabbing from different areas. And that way you have, a good wide focus on this roster and what it can be and what needs to be built up from it and how to run things, how to run an efficient organization down from practice, building up practice all the way through film review, positional meetings all the way up to game day. So that part's just really exciting for me. Um, you know, I, I was really concerned in the beginning that they were going to just, you know, pull like five or six coaches from San Francisco and then it kind of be just a, a bevy of coaches we were not familiar with, but it's good to see some, some experienced names on there and uh, we'll throw them up here on the board for a minute, but uh, it's good to see some folks jumping into the room tonight. Beige. Good to see you, buddy. I know from the other side of the world, uh, Roe, good to see you in here, man. Excited to see everybody in. So I know TJ, you've got a question up on the board. We'll get to that here very soon. Uh, like I said, if you've got any questions, comments, throw them up on the board. We'll get to as much as we can tonight. Um, if you haven't, make sure you subscribe to the channel. It really helps out. And uh, make sure you hit that like button down at the bottom, man. It really really gets the show promoted out there. The more likes and more subscribes, that way you get more views. And 
really helps the show out and we can continue to grow on and make this a bigger and bigger, bigger and better thing for everyone. So what we'll do is let's see if I can, uh, all right. So this is the, uh, the coaching list. This is straight from, straight from the website. So some of the name, I mean, we knew Matt Burke, Bobby Sloak, Frank, Frank Ross was retained. I think that was uh, no surprise there, but, uh, you know, Bob the Sloak and all them, but some of the names that I really wanted to kind of take a look at was Shane Day. And then down here at the bottom, Bill Lazor. So we knew that, we knew that Bobby Sloak was going to be kind of a, kind of a newer coach, right? You know, his first time playing, uh, calling the plays and, D'Amico is obviously going to be focusing very heavily, not only on the defensive side, but the overall game plan. So it's putting a lot on the plate for Bobby Slowick and not trying to say anything against him. I think he's very much very capable of handling this job, but I just think it was worth this team bringing in some experience. And that's what they did. You know, they brought in Gerard Johnson, quarterback coach, who a lot of people around this area are very familiar with. And then, you know, really getting into Bill Lazor and Shane Day. They're both very experienced coaches, have a ton of stops along the way, whether good or bad. But, you know, I really don't want to focus on too much on their successes or non-successes and a lot of their stops along the way, but they've had a ton of stops. I mean, Shane Day, you look at his coaching experience, he's got four or five, six stops, quarterback coach, offense coordinator, offensive assistant, things like that. Same with Bill Lazor. Tons of coaching experience. So that's the kind of experience that Bobby Sloak probably needs to kind of help him guide him through this, you know, first run as an offensive coordinator as he figures out his offensive identity and, and what works for them. So that part's just, you know, really, really good from really good to me. And I think, you know, Jacques Cesari, he said he stayed on. Uh, Dino Vasso, which I'm really excited that he's staying on with cornerbacks, you know, you know, all things aside, Derek Stingley, I think, is going to be a very, very good quarterback, and I think he'll excel in this system. But we saw what what uh, Stephen Nelson brought to the table last year, and he was a very good cornerback. Tavier Thomas, who's a pending free agent, very good slot cornerback. Desmond King kind of having a renaissance. So I think you really look at Dino Vasso and what he's brought to the table in terms of coaching up the cornerback. So it's really good to see him back. And then the running back coach, Danny Barrett, really excited to see him back. We saw what he put together with Damian Pierce hoping that running back room will be a little more built up this year for give him something a little more to work with instead of having a Rex Burkhead and a company behind there. So, uh, you know, it's, it's finally good to get it all official. And I think the other one was uh, Ben McDaniels who uh, ended up staying on as well. You know, we'll kind of see how that plays out, but it's good. You know, like I've talked about before on the show here is it's very important for this team to, to uh, build up a pipeline, right? I said that in the beginning. You want a coaching staff. You want an organization that has not only leadership, can command the team, really win games, but you really want to build that pipeline of coaches. You want to have the ability that if Bobby Slowick and this team lights up the fire on the offensive side of the ball, and two years from now, Bobby Slowick is a head, head coach candidate, and he gets hired off as a head coach somewhere else. You have... um you have backup ready to go behind there, right? So that's kind of what you hope out of this coaching staff is 
you know, maybe Gerard Johnson is kind of an offensive coordinator and waiting, things like that. Same on the defensive side. You know, you got, uh, like I said, Jacques Sears, you got Matt Burke, who's your defensive coordinator. You got plenty of defensive firepower. You know, Corey Unlin would probably be the person behind Matt Burke if something changed with Matt Burke. But that's what you hope. And that's the, that's the, that's the want for me out of this coaching staff from that perspective is to have that pipeline ready to go that if somebody gets hired off, you backfill immediately internally, not having to go outside of your organization to bring in somebody else who potentially has a new system, a new terminology, things like that. You can promote from within and then backfill those offensive assistants, defensive assistants, positional coaches. You backfill those and you just continually have this pipeline of coaches. And it's just really exciting to – Hopefully, at least for me, it's really exciting to see the process that they went about this as very thorough and, you know, kind of took their time and finally announced everything today. So that part's really exciting. Um, if you got any, you know, any specific uh, favorites on this coaching staff that as part of this hire group, throw them up on the board. We'll take a look at them. But, um, you know, that that's one of the things I wanted to get on tonight was the coaching staff. And I, I just hope I hope my my anticipation comes true with this being a strong staff with a lot of pipeline, a lot of depth, and that you can just backfill, backfill, promote from within and really, you know, build things up and just, you know, cause it's a good thing. If your coaching staff, if your assistants and coordinators are getting hired off to other spots, that's that ultimately most of the time means that you're having success, right? And you don't want to have to be firing your coordinators cause you're not having success. So you hope that they have success and they go on to better jobs and, you just continue that pipeline running and you just build. And hopefully one day you can build that D'Amico Ryan's tree, you know, that's underneath the Kyle Shanahan tree underneath the Mike Shanahan tree and so on and so forth. So hopefully D'Amico can build his own coaching tree from out of, out of this uh, initial set of hires. And so, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm very excited about it. So, um, yeah, so let's see a couple quite a couple comments up here. Is there uh yeah, so Rose got the exact same exact same thought process I have, you know, that it's a clear path for promotion that exactly if coordinators get poached jaw a year after year for jobs, then you have promotion from within. So Roe and I are the exact same exact same uh uh thought process on there. Chris, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you in. I know you're always here. Let's see here. I think we have a good so Beige, good secondary with plenty of potential. Vasso brings consistency and hopefully he keeps things working with the young group. Yeah. I mean, he, the quarterback, despite this offense's inefficiencies and, and poor effort last year or poor performance, however you want to put it, the secondary was pretty solid by all means, right? Despite the, the health issue with Derek Singletary and how they deployed him with the Tampa two, very boring vanilla secondary still. Once they figured out Jalen Petrie was better in center field than inside the box, Steven Nelson came on strong. Like I said, Tavier Thomas is underrated by all means. I think he's a very, very good underrated slot cornerback, and Desmond King continued to play well. So what Dino Vasso did is, you know, what you want to see. The secondary was very strong. The cornerbacks were, I, I shouldn't say very strong. Maybe that's a little overzealous, but they were just a solid group, right? I mean, they, they performed well, did their part, and – you know, I'm, I'm glad to see Dano Vasso back on for sure. 
Um, Eric says Slug will be here for three years at least. Maybe so. You know, I mean, he's still young, and it may take two or three and up to three years for him to have potential success to be able to move on to another position, you know, another potential opportunity. So, um, you know, maybe that's, you know, if three years, that's, that is what it is, you know, it may be. So, you know, but as long as it's successful three years, that's all that really matters. Right. Arthur, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you. Uh, Alpha, what's up, my man? Good to see you. So, uh, Oh, Stuhler's Depot, man. Good to see you in here. We'll get to, uh, I see you got a couple questions on here. We'll get to the, some of that stuff as well as soon as I can, man. Um, but yeah, definitely good to see you. A um, couple of things we'll get to tonight. I got a little uh, PowerPoint up here to uh, to go over the the current roster and one to look at some of the pending free agents. What kind of contracts they might be looking at? Kind of their what's good for keeping them in? Why why the team should keep them or not keep them? Things like that. And then we'll get into some of the news, a ton of news this past week. You know, I, I want to get into the uh, the free agent quarterbacks and the potential middle-class quarterback coming back. What's up, Pat? Good to see you, buddy. Thanks for coming in. Glad to see everybody joining in. Really excited for tonight. Hyped up, ready to go. But, you know, like I was saying, the free agent uh, free agent quarterback class with Derek Carr and, and what may happen there. Um, got, you know. Between the franchise candidates, um, Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft, uh, Jalen Ramsey trade news coming down tonight, you know, a lot of restructures going on. You know, we just got we got a lot of stuff to dive into. So, uh, first thing we'll do is we'll look at uh, <laughs> bring me back Bobby Wagner. Woo! I don't know that uh, Bobby Wagner would want to come play here. Uh, it seems like he wants to go for the winning team. I think it would be an awesome addition. I think he's still got it despite his age. I think he could still be a very good leader of this defense, but I'm just not entirely sure. I think he wants to go to a team that's ready to win now, and I think Houston's probably a year or two away from that. So let's throw this up there. Let's see how this works. So, all right, so I haven't done a PowerPoint on here before, so we'll see how it goes. So, you know, we'll just take a look. And, um, you know, so here's the current breakdown. I have one extra, one extra placeholder contract in here, so that gets them to to fifty one. So when you see that zero position title at the top at the second slot, then then that's uh, there we go. So that's just a placeholder contract. So man, that's kind of like in the way. I wish I could not move. Let's just do that then. Besides the striped shirt, I realize the striped shirt that I'm wearing tonight is uh, really funky with the camera. So there's your breakdown. 50 players currently on the roster, um, heavy on the D-line, heavy on the offensive line and wide receiver. And then uh, here's your breakdown. Golly, I got that way up into the top there. Well, there's your breakdown on um, cap spending per position right now. So those are cap dollars. It's not cash. That's the accounting, the cap, the cap dollars per you know, per position, how it's breaking down, you know, obviously quantity is going to have more spending. We only got one quarterback on the roster for 2023. So that's Davis Mills and only a couple tight ends. Um, that's your breakdown there. So, and that's percentage. So same thing that we saw in the you know, slide before, that's just a percentage breakdown, but majority of the cap, you know, 30% of the cap right now in 2023 is dedicated to the offensive line. This does not count. 
um, dead money or anything like that. This is just active players only of the 50 players. And I'm really disappointed with how the titles overlapping my chart. It did not look like that in PowerPoint. So I'm not sure why that's doing that. So I'll have to fix that later. All right. So here's a breakdown of the projected free agents. Got one exclusive rights free agents. Um, one exclusive right. So Darius Anderson, he was a running back last year, had a, a seasoning ankle injury. So, uh, you know, the team can bring him back. He can if they put a tender on him, it'll be the minimum salary. I think, I think for him, he's got one year experience. So be uh 825, I think. So, you know, the, if you bring him back, great. If not, no big deal, but no restricted free agents this year. So you got 20 unrestricted free agents. So of that 20, I've, picked out seven or you know six or seven or eight players to that I think are worth exploring bringing back. I'm not saying to bring them back, but I'm saying explore bring them back. What's their market? Does it fit within the scheme? Does their cost make sense for what this team is looking to spend on that specific player? There's a bunch of players on this list that no thank you, no need to bring back. And uh, you know, I think the obvious ones on there are like Kyle Allen, um Rex Burkhead, Jeff Driscoll. Sorry, folks, but yeah, Jeff Driscoll. Yes, Joshua Stanley, I am having an adult beverage. It is Friday night. You know, if it's the Wednesday night show, I'm usually partaking in my Coke Zero. But since it's Friday night, it is adult beverage night. So I have a few of them ready to go. So hopefully it don't get too crazy tonight. Um <laughs> So, you know, there's a few names on here, like I was saying, Jeff Driscoll, no thank you. Justin McCray, no thank you. OJ Howard, no thank you. Um, Scott Quesenberry, no thank you. Derek Rivers, no thank you. That's Jack Easterby's boy. So no way he's coming back. So let's uh let's take a look here. So to consider for re-signing, I think the players you want to look at is gonna be Jordan Akins, Chris Moore, Agbo Okoronkwo, Jonathan Owens. Tremont Smith, Tavier Thomas, and John Weeks, if he wants to play another season. Completely up to him. All right, so Jordan Akins, you know, he had a he had a career season. But let's be honest. I mean, he had a career season. He's th- he's going to be turning 31 this year, uh, signing back after he was on the Giants uh, practice squad and had a very good back half of the season, uh, very spry. And, you know, for being his age and, you know, among tight ends, he had a, you know, 12th highest receiving grade and 10th highest uh, offensive grade overall. And he was third and yards after catch among tight ends this year, which I think is important for this scheme. We see the, the, the yak or the yards, yards after contact that San Francisco is able to put together with how they, with how they position their players, get players open with open field in front of them. And Jordan Aiken still got a little bit of speed and is able to develop some good yards after catch. So I think that's an important aspect of this. And this is a very draft-heavy tight end class. Um, I think we saw that with Daniel Jeremiah's con- uh, comments today from the conference call that he's got, I thought this was a little crazy, 11 tight ends with uh, grades in the first three rounds. That seemed a little bit heavy. I don't know who the 11 could be, but um, – but I mean, it's still, you've got seven or eight quality tight ends in this draft. So I really, at first I was kind of like looking at free agency for, for tight ends, but I think at this point it's going to be, 
you know, prop potentially draft. You got you already got Tegan Katoriano, who who had a really good season. He kind of really surprised everybody for being a six round pick. Uh, he ended up being a pretty good blocker, inline tight end, and, and a good red zone target. So, I think Jordan Akins, and I don't think it's going to be too big of a contract. You know, like I said, like I've written on here, the concerns. You know, he's not the best run blocker in the world, and replacement level pass blocking turns thirty one in April. So, you know, I projected him as just a, a one year contract, three and a half million. 1.5 million guaranteed might be a little bit lower than that. Some of these numbers might be a little zealous on my part, but it, you know, at this point with the amount of quality of tight ends in this draft, you know, you got Brevin Jordan, you got Katariana uh, on the roster. If you bring back Jordan Akins, you know, he can, he can kind of be a backup to Harrison on that, that fullback role as well, but he can kind of fulfill that hybrid H back move tight end kind of role. And then hopefully the team can kind of get a dynamic uh, playmaker out of the draft as well. All right. So next player, Chris Moore really showed up in the last, you know, probably the last four or five weeks of the season. Um, you know, he's been with the team now for two years. Uh, he's been on two uh, minimum salary benefit deals. He's 29 years old, but he has the ability, I think, to, to operate both inside and outside. And I think he actually did better on the outside as a boundary wide receiver last year than he did as a slot. So he's able to do the full route tree. He's not going to break off any major speed or anything like that. He's, you know, he's a solid route runner he's got decent hands, but at the end of the day, he's a very good depth player. And this wide receiver room is very, very thin heading into this draft and free agency period, especially if they end up trading cooks. So, you know, and Mechie by all accounts sounds like he's going to make it back but you can't really count on that at this point. I mean, that's kind of almost like an added bonus. <coughs> Excuse me. So I think Chris Moore is somebody you want to look at bringing back. Do you have to bring him back? No, you probably can find somebody that uh, the same market value might be a little bit younger, maybe does what you're looking out of him. But, you know, he doesn't have that big separation ability, but he he can provide depth and he can play, like I said, both inside and outside. So, Kind of a similar contract to to uh, Aikens, one year, three and a half, three point seven five, one point two five guaranteed would kind of be my projection on him. The big one, uh, you know, as everybody knows, is let me turn this banner off because it's covering up. So if you keep up with the show, we did uh, a contract building session on Okoronkwo the Friday before last, I think. Uh, you know, head to the channel, go back and uh, watch that. That was a fun time. We have a, yeah, cho- yeah, choking on the adult beverage. Yeah, very much alpha. So, you know, like I said, go back to the channel, check it out. We did a, a full contract session on uh, Agbo Alcaranquo. And, you know, he really turned it on probably the last two thirds of the season. Once he became a dedicated starter, he was fifth in, fifth in the league on a pass rush grade according to PFF and he's on, you know, he's going to be turning 28 still in his prime years. He's got extreme burst looking back at his measurables. He's an 87th percentile on his burst score with looking at uh player profile or prayer player profiler.com. Very cool website. I use that quite a bit. And, um, you know, just looking at the last six weeks, he was the seventh best graded pass rusher among the league. So, you know, he's kind of coming to his own. I think the, the issue is going to be for, for here is, is he big enough for D'Amico Ryans and what he wants to do with this scheme? If you go back, I went back and looked at San Francisco's roster, you know, all their defensive ends were 
260 or, or above. I think uh, Samson Abuko was the only one that was a little bit lighter. So, you know, uh, Okoronkwo is, I think, around 245. So he might be a little bit lighter than what D'Amico wants out of the position. But in which that size, you know, he can get lost in the run game a little bit, get shuffled out, and, you know, can't really hold the edge. He's no Whitney Merciless or anything like that. But, I mean, he's a very, very good situational pass rusher. I don't think it's somebody you want to really count on day in, day out to be your three-down edge rusher type player. But, you know, he can – if you did draft – somebody who could be in that kind of role could really rotate in and out with Okoronkwo and bring in some fresh legs. But I think it's a player that the team should really consider looking at bringing back and who, you know, it's really hard to gauge his market. I was talking to Brad Spielberger, who's the salary cap specialist at uh, PFF. And he's kind of, he's the same mindset as me. Like you could go all over. You could, he could end up having, Six or seven million dollars a year. I've got him here at a little over seven million dollars a year. It could be upwards of, I think Brad have him at five and a half million per year on a two year contract. And he could explode on up to nine or 10. I mean, it's a, it's not a big free agency draft class, a free agency class with edge rushers. The draft class is really good with edge rushers. So that might hurt his value a little bit, but I've got him here at three years, 21.75 million with 9.5 guaranteed. So hopefully the team looks at that, looks at, uh, bringing him back in and, and a player that they can really rely on to get after the quarterback. Uh, Jonathan Owens, I think he's a very good depth safety. Um, he's a good tackler. Uh, unfortunately, Petrie had a little issues with tackling this year, but you know, Jonathan Owens has really continued to show year over year that he can continue to improve. He's, he was on and off the practice squad for a number of years. Uh, he's only 27. He continues to stay healthy and he'll be a very good safety three safety four type player it's not somebody you want to be starting but and he can contribute on say on special teams which we know is important on this roster if you're not a starter and you're not <laughs> like i used to say if you're not rex burkhead you better be able to play special teams so um you know he's not he's not gonna you know be able to shut anybody down or anything like that but you know, he's just a, a good solid depth player and it's that's what you want with this team and you might be able to find somebody a little bit lower cost, but at 2.2, you know, 2.25 million per year, two years, four and a half million total with a small guarantee, you know, you, you really can't go wrong or go right with that. So I think Jonathan Owens is somebody that you definitely want to bring back. So Tremont Smith is another player and he's only 26. And I did not realize that. So, you know, he only played, I think what, two games at cornerback for the year. He's a he's a blast coming out of out of the return game on special teams, and uh, you know he's still developing. He has good good zone concepts. You know D'Amico and his defense they're probably going to run a little more man than zone, but they will run zone run zone at many times. So you know Tremont Smith stays healthy. He's still young. He's still developing, but we've seen what he can do in the return game. Um, so I th- I think it's worth bringing it back. I mean it, this is one of those players that. If you don't feel like he fits your scheme specifically, then you let him walk and you can hopefully find another, uh, a young player that can do the kick return. This might be a little more than you want to spend on a dedicated special teams player, but, uh, you know, he's an explosive player and I think it's worth taking a look at. You know, this is somebody that the team needs to look at and bring him back. If it fits your market, fits your assessment price on that position, then, you know, hopefully they can find a place for him on this roster. 
Tavier Thomas, I think, like I said earlier in the, in the beginning of the show, I think he's just very underrated. He's a big guy for, for a slot cornerback, but he's still very shifty, very good in coverage. And I, you know, he just, he was an extension candidate at the beginning of the year last year. The team had approached him for an extension. I think they were all getting ready to line out a contract extension during the preseason. And then he had the injury and then he ended up missing four or five, six, or I think uh, six weeks to begin the season. So, um, the last, like I note here, the last six weeks of the season, he was ranked top 10 in, uh, coverage at the slot cornerback position and, uh, using their, their snaps per reception metric, which is a, a really good metric to take a look at. Uh, he was ranked number two among all slot cornerbacks. So he can operate in both zone and man cover schemes. He's big. He can press. He can still cover the guys. Like I said, he has low agility scores, which kind of surprised me, but he seems to be able to operate in that three to five yard boundary and working on a slot. So I, I just don't know what his market value is going to be. It's kind of really tricky. You know, Houston really got him on a very good, very good contract to begin with. And he might very well price out beyond what Houston's looking to spend. Um, I have him here at two years, 12 million, five and a half guaranteed, you know, 6 million per year. That's a pretty good solid, you know, market price for him for Houston, but that might be a little bit on the low end. So he may price himself out of price himself out of Houston, but you know, this is one between Okoronkwo and Tavier Thomas. That's my top two players that I really want to bring back. And then also, as we all know, the goat, John Weeks, sign him if he wants to play another year. It's up to him. I, I don't know. I haven't really got a feel if he wants to come back. He got his 200 games last year, and I think that was the ultimate goal for him was to hit 200. So it'll be just if if he wants to come play. If he wants to come play, then you know, re-sign him. If not, then you're going to have to go undrafted and get you another long snapper. Hopefully he makes it back. Hopefully he wants to play. And, uh, you know, and I think that's it for for uh, the roster review. So, you know, those are some of the players that I, I would like to bring back. The team's got plenty of cap space, and then they can still spend money on, on some players outside. But I think, uh, un, you know, unfortunately, this is not a big free agent free agency group that's coming out of Houston. They're really, like I said, Tavier Thomas and Okoronkwo are the really two main key players that I would like to see brought back. And there's no franchise candidates or anything like that. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens. We'll take a look over here at uh, some comments, see if there's anything up here. Rose says slow exceeds these TCs. <laughs> no, I like my day job. I'm good. I don't want to go work for any of those folks. Got to bring back John Weeks, says Sam. Yeah, no, like I said, man, if he wants to come play, I'm all for it. Bay says, wouldn't mind MJ Stewart. I, I almost added him to the list. I almost did. You know, he's he's kind of in the same vein that you saw Jonathan Owens. And you might be able to get MJ Stewart back on a deal probably maybe cheaper than Jonathan Owens. You know, just the one-year minimum vet, small guarantee, maybe do the, the veteran salary benefit kind of deal. And, uh, you know, and maybe it'll work. Let's see here. Steelers Depot, hope you're still around, bud. I, you know, I will get to your questions. I see they're cap related. So I definitely want to hit on those. 
And then uh, Brown Chubby Bear, I see you got hopped in here, got a question. We'll get to that. Let's see what else is up here. Pat says, wouldn't shock me if Casario and coaches fall in love with the top tight ends. Mayor, Mayor, man, he's a, he's an all, he's uh definitely, definitely the all in one, all in one tight end. He's tight end number one, but I think, you know, maybe uh Washington, maybe Dalton Kincaid, something like that. You know, there's a lot of uh, tight ends. I, you know, I don't want to spend a first round on one, but definitely day two. You know, second, third round. That's, I think that's an area where you could really get, get, uh, uh, get one of those tight ends. So, moderate Texas possibly. Good to see you, bud. Cut Brevin. Man, he's going to have to work his butt off to make it through camp and get to this roster. Maybe they let him go beforehand. I don't see why they would. I think you at least bring him into camp, but he's going to, he's going to have to really work to, to find a spot on this roster. Heading into the uh, heading into the season, so we'll see here. Like I said, if you got any questions, comments, throw them up on the board. Take a look at everything. Free flowing tonight, man. Good mood. Good night. Good Friday night. My kids are asleep, so that's good. <laughs> he didn't want to cooperate Wednesday night. Um, so thanks for everybody hopping on the on the different schedule. All right, cool. See the depot. We'll see it. Oh my goodness, Ryan Crossingham made it in. Good to see you, buddy. I didn't think you were gonna make it. Thanks for the support. I appreciate everybody listening in, man. Y'all are y'all are fantastic. You know, make sure you hit that subscribe button if you don't subscribe already. Hit that like button. All right, so the free agent quarterback class. We've got Derek Carr, Daniel Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, Geno Smith. I've been preaching to the heavens about bringing back the middle class quarterback contract. And I don't I'm not, my confidence is low that it, that it will come back, but I mean, the teams put themselves in this position position to begin with. This is their fault by all, by my account. This is their fault for letting these, the, the middle class type of quarterback sign the top tier contracts. You really, we really need to see a return, not the one year, 10, 12 million dollar Jacoby Brissett, Jameis Winston contract. Not that. I'm talking middle of the class, 25 to 32 million dollars a year. That's what I want to see come back. And I really think with those four players, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, I think those are all players that you can field a competitive roster and have them below 10% of your cap. Now, we know, and we saw it, Pat Mahomes, you know, he was 13% of the cap this year, and it's very his first time that we've seen a quarterback on the Super Bowl uh, winning roster at that high of a cap number. But you don't have to have a rookie quarterback contract. I think if you were able to get a, a decent top 15 quarterback on a top 15 contract, you can field a competitive roster. So I really want to see, and you know, the agents, they're going to push for the most money. These players, they deserve it. They, they really need, you know, they really deserve the money they get. Gino really played this year. I just don't know if I have the confidence that he can replicate that. Jimmy Garoppolo, health issues over and over and over. I would have a very difficult time can, uh, committing the amount of money that some folks are talking about, but you know, Daniel Jones and the reports that he wants $45 million a year. 
no thank you. And Derek Carr, the news came out today that he's looking, you know, at $35 million a year. To me, when you see those kind of reports, that tells me that the offers are not there what they're looking for and the money is not as high as they were hoping. And so, um, when you start looking at all the tea leaves and things like that, I really think there's a chance that the, the middle, the middle class contract might come back. And these are the four perfect players for that to happen. You know, a two, three year contract anywhere from 25 to $30 million a year. I think the, the Derek Carr uh, projection that we, that I wrote about a week and a half ago, something like that, capandtrade.substack.com, subscribe to the newsletter and try to write when I can. Um, I think it was 29.5 million APY. And, you know, I I really think it's worth these teams if they can, if they can bring that back into the fold and really can build a competitive roster around that. You can, instead of having to spend $45 million on a Daniel Jones, who's somebody who's really honestly, in my opinion, not worth more than 20, $25 million a year. But if you can still get, a top 15 performance out of a quarterback at that pay, then you can reallocate cap dollars and cash to other positions on the roster and probably field a competitive roster. Is this a Super Bowl winning roster? That's, that's the line. That's, you know, do you want to commit even that amount of money to a quarterback that's not going to win you a Super Bowl, which is the ultimate goal? It's hard to say, but maybe you get a, a good coaching staff, a very strong roster. You know, like Philadelphia, I know Jalen Hurts is a very good cornerback, and I get it. I'm not saying he's a top-five guy, but I'm not saying he's a bottom-of-the-league guy. But if you have that kind of environment around a Derek Carr, around a Daniel Jones, around a Jimmy Garoppolo, Geno Smith-type player, maybe you can make a run. You know, at least you're, you're that, that quarterback with a good roster is still going to get you eight, nine, ten wins a season, get you in the playoffs, and maybe you get hot at the right time, and then, you know, you can make a run. So I think it's really worth the league and the teams to try to try to bring that back because you have such a disparity today, right? It's either $35, $40 million a year for a quarterback or 10 to $12 million a year. I think 10 to 12, that has a place. That's your high-end backup quarterback money. That's your Jacoby Brissett, your Jameis Winston, um, players like that. But – You've got, we've got to bring back that middle class. I think it's really important. And, you know, will it happen? You know, we'll just have to wait and see. But at this point, I, I think it's something that the league and the teams really need to, to take a look at. 24 hour stream. Yeah. John, good to see you, buddy. Thanks. Great show. Appreciate it, buddy. Hearing two hour show plus, it might happen. Who knows, man? I'm on. I'm, I'm, I'm ramped up tonight. So who knows how long this is going to go? I might just ramble and ramble, ramble, but all good. Of the current roster, who is the surprise cut? That's just a Brit, right? <laughs> no, he's not the surprise cut. I don't know. I mean, this roster doesn't have a whole lot of players. There's really not a big surprise cut for me. Um, yeah, I think this, this roster is so devoid of talent. Maybe Christian Kirksey. If we had to do like a surprise cut, maybe Christian, Christian Kirksey. And I don't even think that would be really surprise a whole lot of people. So, um, so I wouldn't mind drafting a QB and signing Jacoby. Yeah. I, you know, and, and I, 
we'll get into the Anthony Richardson discourse here in a little bit. And that's kind of one of the topics is, uh, yeah, I, I had pitched it about a week and a half, two weeks ago on Twitter. Didn't get a very good response, but, uh, you know, you look at Jacoby Brissett and, and the numbers and the performance that he put up in 13 weeks at uh, Cleveland last year, running a very similar system that Houston will de- will be running this year. And, you know, he comes from that Coop Stanishan. We're going to steal from Seth Payne. Coop Stanishan system with Kevin Stefanski. And Jacoby had a lot of success. He was a top 10 quarterback looking at it from like EPA per drop back. And I, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if the team wanted to go draft a quarterback like an Anthony Richardson and sign a Jacoby Brissett. Anthony Richardson is not my QB one, so we'll get there. All right, let's see here. <laughs> what's real? So, Orion says, "What's the realistic cap space availability?" So. I think if you look at the draft class, if you incorporate the draft class, and these numbers are going to change, man. Um, I think I got the draft class hold at like 11 points something. But the draft class overall in totality is going to take up about $20 million in cap space. But under the top 51 rule, and once they sign more players, it's going to be like $11 million for the draft class up front. So they're looking around $37, $38 million right now. We're still waiting on the annual adjustment for the year, which is going to be a positive for the Texans. So they'll get a few more dollars. But you're looking at an honest 22 to $30 million available for, for free agency leading up to the draft class. And then you'll need to leave, leave some money to set aside five to six million for, for operating room during the season. But I think it's safe to say that you've, you've got some money because we know, like we said, the tonsil extension. So we did a tonsil extension contract building session about three weeks ago. Hit the channel. Take a look at that. Really fun show. Um, if we if the team trades Brandon Cooks, that's another ten million. So this team could easily get up to forty five, fifty million heading into free agency. Um, so that would you know realistic availability thirty, forty million, twenty million somewhere in there. It's a wide berth. Just depends on what they do with uh, with current people on the roster and things like that. But that, you know, like I said, get back to the middle class. That would be my hope. I really want to see this league get back to a middle class quarterback contract. I think the teams could really benefit from it. There's no reason to pay that type of quarterback top 10 money when they're giving you a top 15 performance. But a top 15 quarterback with a very good roster around them can still be a competitive roster is my take on it. All right, so what's next? I wanted to take a look at Daniel Jeremiah's uh, latest latest mock draft. So it really it really surprised me to see it make a run on edge guys, and that's the kind of the the thing I really wanted to key on here was. You know, we saw Jalen Carter go one, Bryce Young two, but you really start to see Tyree Wilson jumping up above Will Anderson. And Daniel Jeremiah, Jan, Daniel Jeremiah is one of the mo- more plugged in folks in the media. Um, he's a former scout, he's got a lot of connections. So when he puts this kind of stuff up here, 
I, it's not one of those things where you take it with a grain of salt. I'm not, I don't think it's something he just puts up there to generate talking points or anything like that. So Tyree Wilson, who's been already kind of moving up the, the boards early on, but over Will Anderson and then CJ Stroud to the Colts. But you really see a run here. You see Will Anderson at five, Miles Murphy, Luke Van Ness at eight. So the run on edge guys before you get to any tackles, wide receivers, things like that, it, you know, that really kind of points, kind of puts a tea leaf towards the free agency class, right? And there's some good edge guys in the second round as well. I think there's a lot of depth in the drafted edge, but the free agency edge class is not good when looking at a totality. So, you know, you know, you got players like Marcus, Marcus Davenport, who has injury concerns. And then you can go down to like level two, where you're looking at Okoronkwo, Mboko, or Samson. I forgot what his last name is now. But player from San Francisco, Arden Key out of Jacksonville, who's got time with San Francisco. So it just starts to really paint a picture for me. The limit, the limited availability in free agency when it comes to, when it comes to the edge players. And that just highlights back why, you know, do you want to bring back Okoronkwo or a player like that? So I just really want to highlight this edge run early on in the draft. And then I think there was a couple more edges down a little bit further. No, there wasn't. Okay. But you got the edges coming off the board pretty quick. And so I think it's just something to really, really, you know, take a look at and think about how this team wanted to allocate cap dollars and positional value and really take a look at things. So, you know, if the edges are coming off the board that quickly and you've got a very weak free agency class when it comes to edge, and what we'll do is – Let's just take a look at the edge class while we got it, while we're talking about it. Let me see here. Let me add this in here. All right. So we're at over the cap.com place where I do my work at. So look at the players that you got hitting the edge, right? Robert Quinn, 33 years old. Yannick, he's, he's Okoronkwo, but older, right? Same size. We all were in Houston. We're all familiar with Jadevion Clowney. Um, you know, there's Arden Key. There's uh, Ibukam. That's the name I was having trouble with, Dwayne Smoot. But, I mean, there's really no, like, game changers in here. Marcus Davenport, Justin Houston, who's 34. There's Ogba, Ogba, Ogbo. You know, Dante Fowler, who was a former first-round pick, but he's 29 years old. I mean, there's just no no big names when it comes to the edge. Shaq Lawson, everybody knows that name in here in Houston. So, you start looking at this class. And then you start looking at the draft. You know, you either have to probably maybe overpay for Okoronkwo or Davenport or hope that you can score a good, strong defensive end on like the second round or this team maybe goes with a defensive end at, at pick number two. Who knows? But it's just a 
you got to really take a look at where you can allocate your resources, where what pot you're going to pick from, whether it's a draft pot, free agency pot. This team doesn't have a whole lot of depth at, at the end right now. Jerry Hughes is in the last year of his contract. He's 35 years old. Mario Addison, he's getting older. Jonathan Gennard heading into the last year of his contract. It, it's just this team's going to have to work hard to find a diamond in the rough. Maybe you bring back Okawako. Maybe you sign a Marcus Davenport. You know, Clan Farrell, who's a, a former first-round pick of uh, <laughs> John Gruden and, uh, you know, failed experiment over there at first round. He's only 26, but it's going to be tough to find an edge. And that that's kind of pretty much the summary of, of what I wanted to bring from this is the team is going to have to work really hard to find any of those just top-tier type of edge players. And it's going to take, you know, working really hard to get there. All right, let's jump back over to uh, any questions we got on the board before we get into some other topics. Let's see, I know uh, Steeler Depot had some, so we'll get going here. So when it comes to Ram Ramsey in the Ramsey and Cap space, makes more money makes more money makes more sense for Rams to restructure him than trading him, right? They'd only clear five point six five million by trading him pre six one. Well, I think this is more to do about 2024 than it has to do with 2023. Uh, Rams are clearly going to have to purge the roster. And I think Ramsey is just a piece of that. I think the team is going to have to clear the decks for 2023 to save and create money in 2024. So I think Ramsey is part of that plan. Cash is not a concern for Los Angeles and Stan Kroenke. He's he's one of the richest owners in the game. But that would be my take on it, is there's no reason to restructure him and push more money out. Get you know Just cut the Band-Aid off now. Trade him. Not going to get a first for him, especially with his contract. And he very well, as we know, David Mulligetta, David Mulligetta is his agent. And I threw this up on Twitter. When the, when the news broke down, and I wonder if his agent is going to push for a whole new contract with new guarantees as part of the trade. Um, I'd have to go look at his contract. I'm not sure. I don't think he has a no-trade clause. But you're not getting a first for Jalen Ramsey, probably a second-rounder, maybe a future first at best. Um, but this is more about 2024. You want to clear the decks for 2023, create as much cap savings as you can that you can create, and then roll that over in the 2024 would be my take on that. <clears throat> All right, let's see here. Oh, and Steelers had a follow-up. To, obviously, they'd be kicking the can forward, a bonus proration. But unless they're looking for a lot of draft capital or Jalen wants to be cut, seems like a restructure would be more in order. I mean, if, if, the, Ram, if the Rams want to feel like they're going to be competitive in 2024, 2025, sure, but... You know, Ramsey, I think, is 29 years old now at this point. And I don't think his trade value is going to be any higher than it is right now. So I think it's worth, if they're going to move on from him, now's the best time to do it. And then, you know, start rebuilding rebuilding the roster there. But they have no, you know, not very many. They have a large quantity of draft picks. They just don't have very many high draft picks. And, you know, they're just going to try to reload the best they can. So that would be my take on that. <clears throat> All right, Brown Chubby Bear, good evening. 
Question on Brandon Cooks, our favorite player. <laughs> if Nick was asked to eat some of the money of Cook's contract again, would he do it or would he release him? It was a sticking point. I, well, first off, releasing is not going to happen. He's got a fully guaranteed $18 million salary this year. Releasing is very, very bad from a salary cap standpoint. The two options for Cooks is he stays and plays on the current contract or he gets traded. Um, would he, would Casario take on some of the salary to facilitate a trade? Maybe so. There's about $10.8 million in, in cap, in cap savings, um, with the trade this year. So I think it's just straight up a trade or he plays. And I, at this point, it seems all indications, all reports are leaning towards a trade. Um, maybe you can push that trade value up from a fourth rounder to a third rounder if you take on seven or eight million dollars of the eighteen million dollars that he's due this year. But I, I, I really think it's just best if you can just cut clean fifth rounder, fourth round draft pick, get rid of the whole contract, move on, let him find out where he wants to go. From there. So that would be my take on it. And now I lost that. There it is. All right. That would be my take on that. And Steeler Depot had another question. Have Nick Sierra come take trick? <laughs> yeah. No. We're good. We got Davis Mills. That's our version of Mitch Trubisky. There's no reason for us to spend for this team to spend uh, $8 million on Trubisky when you got uh, Davis Mills for $900,000. All right. Let's see here. What else is up here? Nolf, good to see you, buddy. My new Discord friends. Still learning that place. It's pretty wild. I think Arden Kia has played himself into a good new contract wherever he goes. A good new contract? I don't know. Um, a decent contract? I think it's going to be another one-year deal for him. Maybe a two-year deal, but can't be more than four or five, six million dollars a year. It's going to be, it's going to be similar to the Okoronko contract at the end of the day. It just depends on what they want out of the players. All right. So one of the other topics I wanted to get onto was, trading late round picks for veterans and kind of spurs off what we just talked about, but there was news and I had tweeted about this as well uh, at Texas cap. If you want to follow over there. So Chuck Clark safety out of Baltimore, very good box safety is only 27. I think or turns 28 this year. Very good tackler. Good in the box safety would be a good compliment. In my opinion to Jalen Petrie. He's got one year left on his deal with a roster bonus due in March. It's not a really big contract. But that's that's the type of player that Houston has, what, four six four six round picks this year. That's the type of player that you want to target on a trade to try to bring in and you offer up that six round pick. Um throw his contract up here on the board. So he's due 2.4 million in salary. 
The prorated bonus would stay with Baltimore. And he's got a roster bonus of $1.1 million, which is due March 19th, so the third day of the league year. So if he came over with this contract, it'd be $3.63 million in cap. In cap. It's a low number. It's a very low number. It's 28. OTC valuation at $7.1 million. So obviously he's outplaying his contract. You bring him over, put him at strong safety, pair him up with, with Jalen Petrie. If he plays well, maybe you do an in-season contract, two-year extension, something like that. But this is just a perfect example of the type of player. You have all these late-round picks. And I, and and on that topic, I think you're going to see a higher number of trades this year at the new league year start on March 15th. I think we're going to see a run of trades similar to like Chuck Clark. Teams sending seventh-round, sixth-round, fifth-round picks for veterans who are entering in their last year of their contract or two years left on their contract. Because of the draft class, because of free agency, this free agency is going to be a dud. Very disappointed. It's usually my favorite time of the year. But this is the type of player that a team can trade for and really, really get a good return back on value, right? So if you were to send a six-rounder to Baltimore, maybe they want a fifth, whatever. Either one's fine by me. You get Chuck Clark. If he's able to continue with this $7 million OTC valuation performance and you get him at $3.6 million, that's a steal. That is a steal. And like I said, he's an in-season in season uh, extension candidate if he plays well. If he doesn't play well, he's a free agent. You let him walk. Maybe you get a sixth or seventh round comp pick for him. You know, if he signs a decent contract, you know, not a decent, but an above market value contract and free agency. Maybe he doesn't fit your system. Maybe he doesn't fit your locker room, whatever. But this is just to highlight how you could approach free agency. And this would be essentially approaching free agency and letting him, if he doesn't get released, which he might get released, but would you be able to sign him for a contract at $3.6 million in cash this year? Maybe not. You might be able to sign him to a contract that has a lower cap dollar number, you know, structure it out on a two or three year new deal. If he, if he ended up becoming a street free agent. But I think with the contract that he has, I think it's worth, you know, tossing a late round draft pick for him and just taking the contract as is. And so, I think that's just something, and I'm going to have to start looking around. I haven't really dove into this type of thought process very heavily. Um, just kind of piqued my interest today when I saw the news that Chuck Clark could be released or traded. But I'd, I'd need to start looking to see if there's other types of free agents out there that could be cap casualties that need to be moved on because Baltimore, you know, they drafted Kyle Hamilton last year, right? First round. And then they signed Marcus Williams to the big deal from new Orleans. They signed him to a big four year, uh, four or five year deal. So that's why Chuck, Chuck Clark's uh, playing time went down. Let's see stats. So, Ooh, that's number is broken. I'm going to have to talk to Nick at, uh, at, uh, who does all the back end work for OTC. That should not be 105%. 
Um, if I had to guess, there's probably two C Clarks out there and it's combining the numbers. But you see before, you know, 99%, 94%. I mean, he was a heavy, you know, played quite a bit. Let's see here. Let's go to football outsiders. I want to see what his contract really is. If their website wants to work for me. You know what? Let's just go to pro reference. They'll have it. Let's see here. Wow. He played Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. He played 100%. That's weird. I thought his number was lower than that. 100%. That can't be right. <laughs> well, I feel like an idiot now. I thought his play in time was lower than that. But that that's just a perfect example, in my opinion, of the type of player, if you wanted to trade one of those late-round picks, like we said, we got the team has four six-round picks. That's the type of player that you want to, you know, toss that day three pick out there, bring him in, and see if it works. Um, I think that's something this team needs to look at. I mean, they've only got 50 players on the roster. They got to sign a bunch of free agents, but... You know, we'll see. All right. So, did anybody see Everett Ingram's tweet? The tight end out of Jacksonville. He, uh, the team, the team uh, put some tweet out. And it was, I think it was about Evan Ingram. About his performance in 2022. But he quote tweeted it and said, Ooh, I thought this was the announcement. So, it makes me wonder if. They have an extension in place for him, or he's going to be franchise tagged. And you know him. You know he was a probably going to be top two tight end between him and Dalton Schultz on the free agency market. So it wouldn't shock me to see Ingram become get a franchise tag. It was just worth noting. <laughs> you know it was it was interesting to see him tweet that out. But uh, you know there. We might see a, a heavy free agency or uh, franchise tag period, you know, and one player that I'm really disappointed that might get the tag is Deron Payne. You know, I'd, I've been really excited. Hopefully he'll hit the market. And I was hoping that Houston would be, would be in the running for him, but it's, you know, it seems like the latest news is as Washington is going to use the franchise tag on him. And then you see Dalvin Tomlinson up in Minnesota, uh, renegotiated his contract to push the void date back. From the from um, this past Monday to the day before the league year, so it sounds like him in Minnesota are working out a contract, and I think Javon Hargrave, I, he, he's thirty one. I just have trouble. I feel like he's going to fall off a cliff, and I feel like Chicago is going to be very very heavy on Javon Hargrave. So you put all those things together, man. The defensive tackle free agency market is getting pretty weak, pretty quick. Um, there's some decent ones in the draft. Once you get past Jalen Carter, uh, the kid out of Pittsburgh might be somebody to uh, take a look at, but you know, the franchise tag period, it might be a little more exciting this year. The, uh, the deadline I think is March 7th. You know, you got a bunch of running backs, you know, say, uh, Saquon Barkley, if, if the team works out something with Daniel Jones, Josh Jacobs in Las Vegas, Tony Pollard in Dallas. 
you know, I think those players could easily get franchise tagged. Uh, like we said, Deron Payne, uh, maybe Geno Smith, if they can't work on a contract in Seattle. Um, it, you know, we might see a good number of franchise tags this year. And so, you know, we'll see. But, you know, that, that really kind of caught my eye when Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram tweeted that out. It makes me wonder if something's coming. Tony says, keep Malik Collins. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's under contract for another year. And, man, did he come on the back half. The last four, what, probably the last four games. He, you could tell the health that he he had the injury in the first part of the season. And then when he came back, it looked like it took him some time to come back. Once he was healthy, the last four or five games of the year, man, he put on a performance. That was uh that was really exciting to see. And you know, he had a lot of bursts. He was getting in the backfield and definitely nowhere he's not going anywhere. Definitely glad, you know, hopefully he'll uh he'll 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 uh do well. Tony wants to know what is roster texture on the OTC site? All right, let me take a look at it. Let's see here. Let me see, because I thought that was, oh, that is on the front end. So we're, we got to wait. We don't reset these numbers until, until the new league year starts, but it's just a breakdown of how much money you have, how much money the team has tied up at each type of player, you know, elite, which would be like Laramie Tunsil high performance, middle performance, low class, rookie. It's just a breakdown of what type of players and how much of the cap percentage you have dedicated towards them. So a lot of the numbers are still bottomed out. They'll be reset once the new league year starts. So take a look at that come uh, March 15th. And uh, I think Jason will turn that button on whenever – Whenever he gets here. So here it is. We'll put it up here. So it's just a breakdown. Like I said, you got different performance values and how much money you have dedicated to, to, to each category of player. It's just a basically just an allocation of, of how the money is spread out amongst performance among the team. That's what roster texture is. Asia's got to leave. Time to cook some dinner. Thank you for <laughs> Appreciate you coming in. Um, all right. Let's see here. What else was on here? You're starting to see restructures hit the books, right? We saw we saw it start with uh, Green Bay with Aaron Jones. He got uh, his contract restructured. He took a pay cut. Uh, Marcus May with New Orleans. We're going to see a lot of that with New Orleans, right? They're way over the cap every year. Marcus May, you know, basic restructure. Eric McCoy, basic restructure. Tyron Matthew today, basic restructure. Um, we saw Shaq Thompson from Carolina got restructured today. Still waiting on the details on that one. They The team announced it, so whenever they announce it like that, it might not be a basic restructure. It might be a a new contract, but you just got to be careful with those restructures, right? It's you're, you know, you're kicking the can down the road as they say, and some teams 
their system is built around that. New Orleans, their system is built around restructures. The COVID year, when the cap went backwards by $30 million, screwed up New Orleans' plans. That's why they're in the position they are. They, just like Dallas, their contracts are built to be restructured for certain players. And Kaya Harley, the contract specialist in New Orleans, is very, very good at his job. One of the best. Um, but you look at it, and that's that's their system. You know, just like with the Eagles, they do a lot of void years. They do a lot of restructuring. I'm so glad I don't have to follow their cap debt detailed as much as it's crazy up there. But those teams, that's their systems. That's how their contracts are structured. They're built to be restructured. Okay. But when you have that dip in the COVID year, it threw off New Orleans game plan. So you're going to continue to see restructure from them. You're going to continue to see. They're going to release some players, but they're going to do more restructures than anything. Um, so keep, you know, keep a look at. We'll continue to update over the cap.com as those things come in. Um, but one of the teams that I really wanted to look at was the Tennessee Titans. They're, they're heading into a very difficult year. And we saw they already started what, uh, yesterday. They released Robert Woods. They released Zach Cunningham. They released Taylor Wan, and they released Randy Bullock. A couple of those players Houston is very familiar with. They were $25 million over the cap, and now they're $12 million, $12.4 million under the cap. And they still have some, um, some work to do. They got to figure out the Ryan Tannehill situation. They got to figure out the Bud Dupree situation. And then they also have to get an extension done with Jeffrey Simmons. I think the decision point for them is going to be Ryan Tannehill. Do they extend him? Do they keep him as is? It's going to be all up to the new GM and Mike Vabrell. You know, I have to wait and see, but that team is in a very difficult situation. They got a lot of aging players. Derrick Henry might be a trade piece. Maybe maybe they spin off Derrick Henry for a for a draft pick. Um you know, but they got an aging roster, Ben Jones, miss you, Ben, over there. You know, Austin Hooper, his contract's gonna void. Jeff Swain, his contract's gonna void. And, you know, they trade away AJ Brown. Didn't really get a whole lot of out of Traylon Burke so far. They're in a very difficult spot. They're gonna have to figure out something. And I really think this is gonna be a critical year for them to you know, Rand Carthon, the new GM, he's doing things the right way. I think releasing those players and releasing them early is the right thing to do. If you're going to release them, release them early. Let them get a head start on free agency. But he's, he seems to keep, be going the uh, the Reggie McKenzie path. Just rip the bandit off, get rid of all the contracts that don't make sense, the ones that you can, and you know, just take your lumps all in one year. I wish Houston would have done that. Uh, that was kind of my hope that they would rip off the Band-Aid all in one year, but they didn't. They pushed the money forward, took on some contracts they shouldn't have taken on. You know, Shaq Lawson, Marcus Cannon, players like that. Did a lot of restructuring. I get it, but it wasn't my path that I wanted them to take. And so I think Rand Carthon up in Tennessee is doing it the right way. I think he's ripping the Band-Aid off, 
getting rid of those contracts that don't make sense. The players are not going to contribute. And I think they're, they'll, they're find their way. It's just going to be an ugly year for Tennessee. I really do. I think it's going to be, they very well might be the last, last team in the AFC South this year. And that wouldn't hurt my feelings at all, but <laughs> I really do think they got a, a difficult year for them. Maybe, you know, Vabral's a very, very good coach and maybe he'll coach them up and find a way to scrape out seven or eight wins, seven or eight wins this year. But I just don't, I just don't see how they can find their way out. You know, we'll take a look at it here. Like I said, they're at 12, 12 million under the cap now after those four play releases, but you got the Ryan Tannehill decision, Bud Dupree. He's a $20 million cap hit. And look at this OTC valuation at 2.1 million. He only played 11 games, 38% snap count. I mean, they've got to do something with this. He's only got a small guarantee. So there's a big cap savings there. So I feel like they've got to release Bud Dupree. I don't think they would June, but they'll have to wait. They'll have to wait until March 15th to release him because this guaranteed salary right here, 1.25 million. If they were to release him today or tomorrow or whatever before the new league year starts, that money will actually accelerate into the 2020, 2022 cap because we're still waiting for the new league year to start. So they'll wait until March 15th to release him. Same with Bobby Wagner, right? Um, the Bobby Wagner situation where the team was, uh, we'll pull up his contract here. You know, there was word that he's going to get released. He's not going to get released until March 15th. Um, so his, his stuff vest on the 19th. So they'll release him the first day of the league year, but Los Angeles can't take any more cap dollars this year. So they'll wait because of this. March 15th, they'll release him that day as well. All right, let's see if there's any questions up here, any cause. Any... All right, so <laughs> Rain Carthage should just bring in Trey Lance and reset. I've, I mean, I feel like with the injury to Brock Purdy, I mean, I don't think that San Francisco is going to let go of Trey Lance. I think they're going to have to depend on him because Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be around. So I think it's safe to say that uh, Trey Lance is going to be staying in San Francisco. All right. Let's see what else we got up here. Have you seen the article on S2 cognitive tests on athletic? No, I haven't. I'll have to. Well, if it's written by Matt Barrow, he's a pretty good writer with San Francisco. I like him. Met met him at camp a couple years ago. Um, Yeah, no, I'll have to take a look at that. Pretty much anything on the athletic. I really enjoy. I am a a, uh, longtime subscriber there. So Jerry says, is Taylor Lewan worth an ad? Didn't play much last year. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, you've got Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard, your two offensive tackles with Charlie Heck as your backup swing tackle. There's really no place on this roster for Taylor Lewan. He needs to go find, he needs to go the Eric Fisher route, find a team that has an injury at tackle late in, late in camp or, uh, during the preseason. He'll probably sign. That far end, there's no reason for him to sign even right now. I'm not entirely sure how healthy he is or if he even wants to play for that matter. And he certainly can't play right tackle like he said. He said it himself, he can't play right or tackle. And 
you know, player, you know, some folks think it's easy for these tackles to swap from right to left. And it always, I always go back to a quote, a comment that, um, Duke Mayweather, who's a big off offensive line guru kind of guy. He said, basically try wiping your butt <laughs> with your left hand. If you're right-handed and see how hard it is. That's how hard it is to go from left tackle to right tackle. Same with um, his name escapes me. The tackle that was playing for Los Angeles that went from left tackle to right tackle. Uh, Penn, I think. He had an he got an injury just moving from left tackle to right tackle just because of the body mechanics involved. So, you know, it's not somebody somebody you want to depend on. John Henry says we need to trade for Justin Fields. I don't know about that, man. I mean, I would rather just I would rather just draft a guy and reset the rookie contract clock, right? Because Justin Fields already has two years out on his career. Man, I don't know that he's any more of an improvement over getting Bryce Young or anybody else in the draft. What else we got here? Row from a cap perspective, which teams could you see go on a fire sell to relieve the books this off season? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tampa Bay is a team is one team that's going to have to do some work. They are whoo, $59 million over the cap right now. I think Mike Evans is somebody that they'll probably extend. Let's see. Let's take a look at his contract. So he's in the last year of his contract. He's got a roster bonus due, I think, the third day of the league year. So I think it's the 19th, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, but there's a big savings here. Let's go trade June 1. They're in the last year. So but they, I'm trying to remember on a trade – I believe all this void money accelerates into the league year. So this twelve million plus nine. Yeah, there it is. It's all it all accelerates. So there's it's it's only two point three million dollars in cap savings on a uh, trade for Mike Evans. So it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense for for Tampa Bay to to trade him at this point. There I have to do an extension. Um, but as for teams that uh, that you could kind of harvest from, I think one team is the Chargers with Keenan Allen. Yeah, he's thirty-one. You know, I you know me, I don't like uh, players over over the age of thirty at wide receiver. But he's got two years on his contract. A lot of money due. Let's see here. He's due. Whoo. $42 million over the next two years. Have to take, you know, to get Los Angeles to take on some of that money. But there's $16 million in cap savings for Los Angeles on trade. That's another player like, like the Chuck Clark situation that you could probably, you could probably get him for like a fifth round pick for a sixth round pick. You're not going to, you're 
Los Angeles is not going to get much more for him. That's an Amari Cooper situation. Same thing that Dallas was fighting. So I think you just, you know, you want to go, go to OTC and start digging into these teams that are over the cap. Start looking at aging players like, like Adam Thielen. He's 33. I know. I get it. I don't like players that old. I don't. He's got a uh, full guarantee salary coming up here, I think, on the March 17th. So that's the second day of the league year, or third day of the league year. But, you know, he's due, what? Let's go down here, look at his cash. $29, million over the next two years. That's a lot. So, you know, that's why I say Chuck Clark's such a perfect example. He's a low, low cash, low cost option, but let's see here. Who else is on here? I don't think there's really value on the Jaguars that you really want to mess with. I think they're going to start restructuring players. They're going to do an extension with Josh Allen and uh, they'll restructure some of the players. I think they'll probably release Rayshon Jenkins and uh, Robinson Harris. Free up some money over there. But yeah, I mean, there you start looking at some of these teams. There's a lot of teams in trouble. Even if you wanted to look down in here and the and the teams that are just barely over the cap, you know, start looking, see if there's any players that you can squeeze off of there. I think William Jackson's gonna retire, right? He just opened up that uh that spa here in Houston. Let's see here. Not Mitchell Strabisky. Sorry, Steelers Depot. Levi Wallace. He's getting a little older. Maybe the Bills too, but you know, you just, there's probably a few names out there. I just haven't really dug into it yet, but you know, you just start looking at, start digging through these different types of teams and see if you can find, you know, some veterans in the last year, last two years that are contract and see if you can, you know, score something out of it. Donald Penn. Yep. That's the name I was looking for, Row. I had I got the last name right. Is that Penn? <laughs> Sean says I thought Bobby Wagner had been I released him. No. So they haven't. So they mutually agreed to part ways. But they won't release him until March fifteenth, till the new league year, because like I said, that he's got guaranteed money in the twenty twenty three contract year. All that money would accelerate in 2022, their current contract, the current cap space. And like we see with the Rams, well, we don't have 2022 space up here. Sorry. But I know they were tied up on the cap going into the end of, uh, of this league year. So they can't, they haven't released him. They're not going to until March 15th at the earliest. Jerry's heading out. See you, buddy. Thanks for coming in. Tony says, is Tavia Thomas back here? Yeah, I hope so. I really hope so. Um, we, we talked about that at the beginning of the show when we went through, uh, went through some of the pending free agents for Houston. I really think, uh, Tavia Thomas is a player that makes sense to bring back. Um, he, you know, he had a rough start to the year. He was injured, but, his his playing time his uh his efforts really came on 
back half of the season. Let's see here. Let me try to get his. Trying to get his PFF stuff up here. All right. Let me throw this up here on the screen. So, like we talked about, he really came on the last three or four Last three or four games of the season. The last, what, one, two, three, six games. He had the rough one against KC, but look at that, 78.9, 67, 77.4, 71.4. Good tackling grades, very good coverage grades the last three games of the season. So he really turned it on, and uh, I really hope that this is a player that the team can uh, get can get back in the fold. It just depends on his price, really. You know, if he he might he might get priced out, but uh, I think it's somebody they definitely want to bring back. Yeah, William Jackson. Yeah, if he doesn't retire, he's gonna. Yeah, he's 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 gonna be gone. I know that was kind of a failed contract for Washington, and then Pittsburgh for some reason traded for that. I didn't get that one. Are we getting Higgins or no? No. <laughs> I don't see Houston trading premier draft assets for a wide receiver for somebody who's going to need a top near top of the market contract. Just just doesn't make sense for where they're at financially and from the cap perspective. Just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. All right, let's see here. Oh, the last thing I want to talk about was Anthony Richardson. So. If you know me and you've been watching, you've been following along, Bryce Young. I'm I'm a big Bryce Young fan. I hope they draft him. But you see Anthony Richardson and, and the and the discussions are becoming more prevalent. And there's plenty of people out there, especially in Texas Twitter, that have been on the Anthony Richardson train for, for months at this point. Uh Brown Chubby Bear, if he's still in here, he's been big on him. Uh James, young Ari Gold's been big on him. And Luckily today, the discourse, the discussions on Twitter were, um, remain cordial. You know, I hate when, I hate to see when things get out of hand and people start calling names and, and things like that. So it looked like, you know, between everyone chatting about it, it remained pretty cordial. I'm a big Bryce Young fan. I want them to draft Bryce Young, but if they don't and they end up looking at the Anthony Richardson path, you're going to have to have a veteran quarterback in place. And I really don't want to depend on Davis Mills fulfilling that veteran quarterback role. That's where you got to bring in the Jacoby Brissett type player. And the team has to be committed really. And I say really committed to keeping Anthony Richardson off the field for a year. Um, Maybe he doesn't take a year. Maybe he develops faster, but for the sake of this discussion, I feel like he's going to have to sit for a year to continue developing. And the point that I want to bring up here that's very difficult for a team to manage is say you sign Jacoby Brissett and say you draft Anthony Richardson and you had Davis Mills on your, on your roster as well. The team starts out poor. 
maybe they're three and six heading into the bye week, whatever, whatever their bye week is, but they're three and six halfway through the season. You're going to have fans clamoring for Anthony Richardson. And it's going to be difficult to avoid bringing him in too early. So the team has to be very committed to any plan that they put in place. If they draft a quarterback that needs time to develop, you need to make sure that you're ready and willing to weather that storm from a fan perspective when they're going to be, if the team is three and nine, three and six, getting into the back half of the season. Now it becomes a discussion point on radio, on Twitter, wherever. What's the problem? Just throw in Anthony Richardson to see what we have for the last three games of the season, whatever. You can't do it. You've got to stay committed to your plan. And I think that's that's going to be something this team's going to have to really consider. If they really want to go Anthony Richardson, fine. I'm all, you know, who am I to who am I to say don't? You know, I'm not an expert. The team's the expert. I still want Bryce Young, but if they go that type of route, you've got to be prepared. You've got to stick to your plan. You've got to stay the course and not bring him in too early. Now, if he's developing faster than you expect and you feel like he's ready to go, sure, bring him in. Don't do it because the fans are pushing you. Don't do it because you're getting pressure from media. Don't cater to that. That would be my take on that situation. I still want Bryce Young. still want Bryce Young. McCaleb says, what do you think about Alan Lazard? Man, I, he looks good on paper, but I really don't have a whole lot of interest in him. He's, I mean, he was an undrafted player, had a good opportunity in Green Bay, held out last year. Did, did he even play? That's weird. I mean, but you know, he's he's Nico Collins at at two hundred percent the cost. I, I don't see why bringing in Alan Lazard makes sense for this offense. He's not a speed guy. He's not a separation guy. Um, he's a possession receiver. Uh, he's he's Nico Collins, but four years older. So. If you're going to bring in wide receivers and free agency, you need to look at speed. You need to look at somebody who can create separation, who can get down the field and let your tight end and let Nico Collins work across the middle of the field. Should we take a shot at DJ, DJ Sharp? Exactly. That's the type of player, right? He's got the four, well, he had when he tested four, three, eight speed in the 40. Um, he can, he can get downfield quickly. There's a little, little bit of health concerns. With um, with G with DJ Shark, that would be my concern with him. Let's see here, let me look up his injury history. Waiting for the website to respond. Yeah, so let me throw this up here. So this is player profiler, playerprofiler.com. Really cool website. So. Yeah, 2021, missed 13 games. Last year, six games. So the last two seasons, he's missed 19 games. That's a concern. Now, 
their ankle fracture and ankle sprain. And I get that. They're not, that's not soft tissue injury concerns. Like you would have like hamstrings, things like that. But it's still a, a concern. But that's definitely, look at this, 434, 40-yard dash. Look at all of those metrics. Woo! Kid can go. That's the type of player that you this team needs. Somebody get downfield, break the field open, get a lot of separation. So you got the John Mechies, your tight end, your Nico Collins working underneath. I think that's it. sorely what this team needs. And Sam, I think that's a great candidate. I just don't know what kind of contract he's going to command. That's a, that's a tough one. Let me see what his valuation came in at. Oh, his contract out avoided. Let's see. Well, but that, I mean, that's a perfect example. That's the type of player that you want to kind of target. You know, he's got a lot of speed. I, I definitely not too terribly interested in Alan Lazard though. Sean says, I just hope if we do go Anthony Richards is that we don't reach for number two. Yeah, that's the hope. I mean, I hope it's because there's a lot of concern, right, with Carolina, with Atlanta, um, Los Angeles. Those are three teams that are drafting seven, eight, nine, if I remember correctly, that all could be looking at Anthony Richardson. And Frank Wright in Carolina would be a great place for him to learn. Um, that would be my – my concern is the team feels like they have to reach. You're not going to probably not going to be able to get him at number 12. So you either got to trade back out of number two, you know, to four five, six area, or you got to trade up from 12 to get him. Fan base will have itchy fingers to light their torches for Nick's job. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. BCB, yeah. I know you're big on Richardson, man. I get it. I don't think we're drafting Stroud. I don't and it's nothing it's not really to do with the uh with the agent. I just I don't know. I, I just not on Stroud. I just can't see the team going that route. He feels like a safe pick. I feel like if you're gonna draft one of the guys, it's gonna be Bryce Young. If we get AR with the options for a cap perspective besides to besides Teddy or Brissett. I mean, it just depends on who you're going to sign, right? I mean, there, there's you know, plenty of cap dollars. It just depends on who you want to sign. Twexton's Twitter, too enamored with physical tools. Yeah, well, I get it. I'm a Bryce Young fan, so not too much with physical tools. <laughs> I want Mart Valdez Scantling. Yeah, uh, he had a good year. Let's see here. Let me look at his deal. So problem with Valdez Scantling is, is he's under contract for another two years with Kansas City. So I feel like um I feel like they're gonna keep on to him, so I don't think you'll be able to see him. Texas Twitter has recent bias recency biased as most do. Yeah, I mean it's tough. It's tough. Recency bias creeps in with everybody. Um it's easy to look at just highlights, you know, look at YouTube. Somebody's put together five, six clips and think, man, this guy's just fantastic. And I get it. I do. And I, and I personally don't dive into the type tape that hard. There's plenty of people out there that, that do it for you. 
um, QB school on YouTube. It's one of my favorite channels. I think he's got a couple of Anthony Richardson videos and, and he's got some mechanical issues. You know, his footwork's not very good, but maybe that's stuff he could teach. Who knows? You know, maybe he has a higher ceiling than Bryce Young. I think, I think folks are so built in on Anthony Richardson and what his ceiling could be that they're discounting what Bryce Young could be. Young's floor is higher, but I think the ceiling for Young is still just as high. I think folks are starting to really push his ceiling down. Why does everybody despise Levis? He's better than Richardson. <laughs> Birdie, man, I mean, I don't have anything. I don't want anything to do with Levis. I just don't. I feel like... I feel like he's that big traits guy that I think he's just Ryan Mallett 2.0. He's going to, he's going to wow you with his arm strength. He's going to wow you with his physical traits, but he makes bad decisions. And I just don't think he's going to be a very good quarterback. Woo. An hour and 37 minutes. That's a full show, man. AT&T Sportsnet might be dying. I can't watch the Astros unless they're on Apple TV or on national TV. I don't, I don't keep one of the, the cable packages or, or uh, one of the streaming packages. We just have individual programs, hopefully Sportsnet. Hopefully they'll figure something out, but I'm hoping that, uh, MLB will, will pick up the slack and broadcast the Astros game in another fashion. Sounds like Sportsnet might be going bankrupt in March. Uh, <laughs> It'd be interesting to see how that plays out, but hopefully I can watch the Astros. Uh, yeah, Tony, perfect. Levis is Jake Locker, perfect. But, you know, got my Astros shirt on. I'll try not to wear a striped shirt like this next time. I can see that just really messes with the camera. Need to – oh, is it March 31st? Okay. I thought I saw front office sports say – March 7th, that their next interest payment was due then. But who knows? Y'all probably know more than me, but all I want, all I want is to be able to watch the Astros more than five games a year and not have to pay Fubo or direct TV stream for rights to watch the Astros. That's all I ask. I'll pay MLB package or whatever to watch their games locally, not have the stupid blackout rules, but man, it just, it just frustrates me. I don't, we don't, we don't have cable packages, all that stuff. We have individual streaming things like that. Cause we just don't have time with our kids, with our family dynamics. We don't, I couldn't tell you the last time my wife and I sat down and watched a show together. Uh, we watch our own shows separately, but it's just, you know, I don't have those packages anymore. I don't, I don't need the 200 channels and whatever. I just have certain streaming packages and watch what I want to watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully we have a way to watch more Astros on TV this year. Cause it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Um, yeah, no, I, I love, I love all those shows. You know, I'm really, I'm watching full swing right now on Netflix and I just started uh, season five of Drive to Survive F1. I love that show. 
but full swing has been fun. Um, I'm a big golf fan. I'm, I played a lot of golf in my time. I played from age 10 all the way through, all the way through halfway through college. Um, had some game back in the day, not so much now, but, um, I'm, I'm pretty smart with the golf stuff and, and I'm really enjoying watching full swing on Netflix. So that's really fun. And, and drive to survive, man. If you haven't watched it before, get into it. It's really fun. All right. Well, I think I've covered about everything. Had a lot of good, a lot of good interactions. A lot of uh, folks listening in tonight. I don't, we won't have a show next Wednesday because I'm taking my daughter to the rodeo. We're going to go, I'm going to take her old school. We're going to take her watch uh, Brooks and Dunn. Uh, she has no idea what's in store for her with some Brooks and Dunn, but uh, we're going to go watch Brooks and Dunn next Wednesday. And then next Sunday, not this coming Sunday, but next Sunday, we're going to have Aaron Wilson on. Um, he gets back from the combine Friday night and we'll, we'll have him on Sunday night around nine o'clock. And we're going to get all the juicy gossip and scoop from, from the combine where all the illegal tampering and negotiations happen. Combine is a crazy place. And, uh, it's not just for the draft, man. That's when agents are talking to folks and, uh, doing a little contract negotiation, things like that. So we'll have Aaron on. He'll be filling us in. He'll do a lot of talking. <laughs> and then uh, after that, man, we're going to go full-on free agency blitz. Uh, we're going to have Brad Spielberger on from PFF. We're going to have uh, Mike Melter, good friend. We're going to have him on for uh, free agency reaction. I'm going to throw up the on the board for everybody to see the free agency reports that the media sees. So y'all can see what they're looking at when they're reporting on their deals. When you see Albert Breer and, and everybody reading off contract details, I'm going to show y'all what it looks like. Um, but we'll have Mike Meltzer on. He's a, you know, he, he can di digest contracts pretty well. So we'll get some free reaction out of him. And then we'll have uh, the week after that, my mentor, Jason Fitzgerald from the owner of overthecap.com will have him on, do some uh, additional free agency reaction and how the market is shaping up. I'm really excited to talk to Jason and, uh, you know, we'll just keep it going. Got a lot of, a lot of stuff lined up. You know, once we get through free agency, we'll get into the draft, but I mean, NFL never stops, man. And, uh, I, I appreciate everybody joining along for the ride with me. And, uh, like I said, if you haven't, Subscribe to the channel, hit that like button, really helps things out, really helps distribute out and get inside the algorithm that I, you know, I have to mention the algorithm every time, but it just, it helps the show get more views, helps us get more subscribers, helps us get bigger. And that's what I want. I want to get this bigger. I want to generate a community because who knows when Twitter may just die one day for all we know, may just, just stop and go away. And so, you know, I just want to generate the community. And, you know, hopefully I can continue writing a little bit. I don't have any specific schedule with writing on, on Substack, but, you know, links right there, right below my name, capandtrade.substack.com. If you don't subscribe to that, you know, take a look at it. See if it's something you want to subscribe to. It's free. It's a, it's a newsletter that's delivered to your inbox. You know, I don't charge for this stuff. I just do it because I enjoy it. I don't, I don't try to make money. 
not in it for the money or anything like that. I just enjoy doing this stuff. I enjoy interacting with y'all and it's a whole lot of fun. So, all right. Well, I think with, uh, I think with that, we'll uh, go ahead and close it down. So I appreciate everybody joining in. I had a lot of fun tonight and we will see y'all probably next Sunday. Maybe we'll do a Friday night show next Friday. We'll see how the schedule's looking. Maybe we'll put on a contract together. I was looking at Tremaine Edmonds from Buffalo, the linebacker. So if that has any interest to y'all, um, put a comment up. Send me a message on Twitter, at Texas Cap. Maybe we'll do a free agency contract building session with Tremaine Edwards next Friday night if the timing works out. But if not, we'll see you Sunday night. And as always, I appreciate it. And everybody have a wonderful night. With that, we'll shut it down. Thanks. <laughs>